I'd say I probably read it about once every month or two months, most likely. Welcome to Once Upon a Line, the podcast about beautiful words and the lasting impact they have on us. I'm Rosie Fernandez. Today, we're going to step into a parallel universe of sorts. You know the one where fairy godmothers grant wishes and magic is constantly at play with a book called Dreams Underfoot. It's by Canadian fantasy writer Charles DeLint. It was selected by my next guest, Simone Rodrigue. The quote that has stuck with me for years is, but that's the way it works in fairy tales too, isn't it? Something always goes wrong or there wouldn't be a story. You have to be strong. You have to earn your happily ever after. This is from the first Charles DeLint book that I ever read called Dreams Underfoot. And it's a collection of short stories all based in the same fictional town called Newford. This line is by Jilly Coppercorn. She is an artist and a dreamer and a strong believer in magic. That's the way it goes in fairy tales. Um, Something goes wrong. What's gone wrong for Jilly? Jilly met a girl who lives on the streets who was pregnant. She was a young teen runaway mom. She wanted to help this girl. So she did. She brought her into her house to live with her. And what I loved is that she didn't micromanage how this girl wanted to get her act together. She didn't tell her what she should do. All she did is she helped her make whatever choice she wanted to make. And she supported her while she did it. But the bad stuff comes towards the end of the story. Jilly has a friend who descended from fairy who blesses this girl's daughter when she's born. And the fairy woman gave this daughter the gift of a happy life. But of course, in fairy tales, all of our wishes always turn out to be something slightly different than what we really thought they were. And in the end, the young teen mom dies. And the fairy woman is absolutely devastated because she didn't realize that when she gave this girl the gift of a happy life, that wouldn't include her mom in it. Mm -hmm. That sounds so tragic. What was the overall feeling when you finished reading the book? What was the, the feeling you were left with? I mean, when I first read this book, it was 1994, and I was in my teenage years, and I was just so enthralled with the magic behind this story. You know, the idea that Mm -hmm. Jilly Coppercorn is a girl who lives a normal life, just like I did, who saw magic everywhere. And that magic wasn't just made up in her head. It actually existed. She met real magical people and real magical creatures and experienced real magical situations. So for me, when I first read this book, that is what I focused in on. I loved the idea of a fairy godmother who could give me the gift of a happy life. I mean, who wouldn't? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But as I grew up, I sort of started to think more about the teen mom who ultimately sort of got sacrificed for her daughter's happy ending. Um, I started to think then, instead of the magic and the power that comes with magic, I started to think about the flip side and the powerlessness that can come when receiving end of magic. I guess those were my existential university years, (laughs) full full of nihilism. And now, now that I'm sort of somewhere in the middle, I guess what this book leaves me with is... The idea that we have a hand in our lives, we can certainly influence things, but that we have to let go of the idea that we can control things, like with magic or otherwise, you know? Like, I think the idea is that the story of our lives is just sort of acting and then reacting to the consequences instead of, you know, trying to control absolutely everything that goes around. 
Mm-hmm. And we kind of just have to be okay with that, you know? So tell me then, um, how often have you gone back to read it? Because you read it the first time in 1994, um, and it was 2020. Um, how often have you turned to that in between? So I have a special bookcase in my hallway. It's actually called The Special Bookcase. It's like an old one from my mom's time back before I was born when she had just married my dad. It's this beautiful carved wood piece that sits in the hall. And I have filled it and I, of course, cultivate it with only my favorite books. Whenever I go by this bookshelf, I usually pull off a book, flip through, read a scene or two that I love. This scene and this story and this book has been one of the ones that I have picked up again and again, the most over the years going by this bookshelf. I'd say I probably read it about once every month or two months, most likely. Wow. Wow. This, this particular scene. Yes. Okay. And that so- particular little bit at the end is the final culmination to the whole story. Of course, the whole story is beautiful. But, you know, I believe that fairy tales are supposed to have a lesson at the end, something that we take away that we actually learn. And in this one... That's what the lesson is for the whole story. You know, the idea that we can try as best as we can, and we absolutely should, not letting people off the hook. We should do our best. But we do have to be prepared for unintended consequences that come both in life and in fairy tales. Okay, let's imagine. Let's play make-believe. Let's just pretend we can do magic. Let's say you, you are given the power to control something that will affect you okay we're not talking worldwide you know like saving the earth no we're not we're talking about one wish that can only affect you what would that be i'm sorry do you mean just me personally like i can't (laughs) wish for housing for all my friends that's right nothing like that yeah let's let's pretend the fairy godmother made everything perfect and there's no one hungry and there's no one there's no more war there's ever just imagine the world's perfect but I love this fantasy. So now we all live in TNG, Star Trek, yeah. the next generation, right? right. You, don't, is- you don't have to worry about anybody else, but your life is still the way it is today. What would you What would you wish for? Whoa. Uh, what would I wish for? Can I be really petty and ask for my eyes fixed? Because my glasses during the pandemic are just driving me insane. There is nothing but fog from all the masks. I'm going nuts. <laughs> me too. So these days... <laughs> If we're going to leave uh, leave that sort of thing out, I would wish for the comprehension from the flowers from, uh, is it Flowers for Algernon, I think? Oh, yes, 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 yes. That's what I want. I want his level of multidisciplinary Ooh. comprehension. Wow, that's very specific. <laughs> and what that was at the, the tip of your tongue. Like, tell me about that. But I think, if, <laughs> I mean, most of the things we wish for, if you think about it, are things to fix the world at large, right? That's mm-hmm, kind of one of the things mm-hmm. I love about this quote from Charles DeLynn. You know, it makes me realize that we're thinking about how can I end climate change? We're thinking about, like, I want world peace. You know, like, mm-hmm, these mm-hmm. are the things that we want. If you take those big overarching things off the table, I think a lot of people will flounder about, you know, what sort of wish they want for themselves that doesn't involve, like, I'd like to be like Spider-Man. Um, t- can you tell me a little bit about your reading and your love affair of fairy tales in general? Because I get the sense that this is not the only book in the genre you've read. I think you're right. Um, you know, I think my reading, my love of reading stems entirely from my mother. You know, she is a born storyteller. And I don't know um, if this is a cultural thing, Because I know that in Mexican culture, stories play a huge role in a variety of family units and a variety of family traditions. But I know that my mom and her friend, even long before I was born, used to have 
story competitions. They used to go up to our cottage and there were there was no electricity. So when night came, it was dark. You like lit a candle and that was kind of that was kind of it. So they would often <laughs> actually have storytelling competitions wow. where you had to tell a story and it was often a fairy tale, but it could be any story. And it couldn't have repeats. So, you know, if you told a story of the, you know, three little pigs, the next person could not tell anything like that. And they would just keep going until one person didn't have a story to tell anymore. Oh, my God. So, hours and hours. That sounds, yeah, like so much fun. <laughs> um, are there any uh, Mexican traditions that you keep alive? You yourself? The only thing I think that we do do that is quite Mexican, I have found out in my later years that we definitely do, is that at every Christmas time, we tell ghost stories. I thought this was a thing that everybody did, and I didn't realize that it was actually a Mexican sort of, I wouldn't call it a tradition, but Mexican families do this a lot, and so do we. <laughs> we put a, a log in the fireplace, and we get the fire really big, and then we just start telling all the ghost stories that, number one, that we know, number two, that have happened to us, and in fact, some of them are like shared family ghost stories over the years, like the ghost that haunts the house across the street where my brother used to live before I was even born, or the ghost that my dad believes existed in our house in the basement back when he was still alive, you know? So we tell shared ghost stories and ghost stories of our own that we've collected over the years since the last Christmas. Are you saying there's a ghost in your basement? Oh, uh, I mean, yes, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Have you had any interactions or was this just with your dad? Oh, no. Now you want me to tell you my ghost story in the basement? Well, it's fascinating. I mean, not everybody believes in ghosts, but no, and the respect of the really think. Yeah. yeah, no, but yeah, but the respect of the spirit world is is For something sure. that not not every culture talks about. So that's fascinating. And your father believed or spoke about this, even though he was not Mexican. So my dad was a very um, man of few words, shall we say. <laughs> He never believed in anything like this. He would always just sit whenever we told ghost stories at Christmas and like nod quietly like he always did when we kind of thought we were bananas. Um, that was like his go-to. But I have to say that he did have a couple weird experiences in the basement. It's not that he actively believed things. He never once said there's a ghost in the basement. He would just tell us things about the basement. Like, you know, there's shelves down there and they're very straight. He put them up himself and things would always fall off. So he would push them to the back. Like, right against the wall. And they mm -hmm. would still fall off. And he was like, I'm sorry, the house isn't tilted. I've got a level. This is weird. And then one day, while he was actually in the room, the things flew off, them sh off the shelves. Oh and he was God. like, what is happening? We also used to have a dog that would not go into the basement. He used to carry her down there. And she was like an Afghan. And she'd whine the whole time. And when he put her on the ground, she would go running back up the stairs right away. She would not stay in the basement. So he would never tell a ghost story, as it were. But when it came time, his, you know, his turn to talk, he would always state these facts as facts. And then just leave them hanging in the air for us <laughs> to do with them as we wanted. <laughs> what about Day of the Dead? Since that, that is coming up, I'm wondering, do you do anything for that? This is the first year of my life that my mom has even mentioned doing anything for it. You know, I think it's because my mom is getting older and her last surviving sister is now in her 90s. And so I think for the first time ever, she's sort of starting to think about an ofrenda. As a good Mexican daughter, I will follow my mother's lead. Let's go back to your, uh, your special shelf, if you don't mind sharing. Um, a few of the other books that, that inhabit that special bookshelf. 
Oh, uh, let's see if I can name a couple. Smoke and Mirrors by Neil Gaiman? Gaiman? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It cursed me now suddenly that I don't know how to pronounce his name. I've only read it. Not heard it said. <laughs> Gaiman, I think. You know, it's embarrassing that I don't know this because of how much I love him as an author and how many books of his I own. <laughs> Feels like I should know this. But Smoke and Mirrors was kind of like my Charles Delint Dreams Underfoot book from Neil Gaiman. He, it was a short story collection that I just thought was brilliant. And it, in fact, also had sort of like another semi-fairy-tale-like story with a, a turn of phrase at the end that I'll never forget that had the same sort of idea about uh, humanity and powerlessness and fear. Uh, Flowers for Algernon, also mm-hmm. another favorite. <laughs> and of course, there's compendiums of fairy tales and A um, Hundred Years of Solitude. And uh, I mean, I even have some like photography books of dogs on there. So it's got, <laughs> it's got quite a broad quite a broad it's, spectrum it's eclectic <laughs> yeah i will say that yeah <laughs> i would like to say in my love of reading mm-hmm. is that my mother when i could read myself she used to tell me that i could only stay up past my bedtime if i was reading i think in an attempt to avoid going to bed she actually sort of fostered my love of reading because i was desperate to stay awake like all kids are we're sure something thrilling is going to happen just like five minutes past our bedtime I just, I just started to love reading because it almost became a habit. Mm-hmm. Well, that is a beautiful legacy to install in one's children, the love of books. Mm, for sure. <laughs> and the love of magic, both, both very important. Absolutely. Okay, well, thank you very much, Simone. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You as well, Rosie. Thank you. That was Simone Rodrigue sharing her love of fairy tales. What about you? What's your favorite genre? Drop me a line at onceuponalinepodcast at gmail.com. And you may just find yourself on this show. Special thanks to my team, Michelle Lung and Natalie Curtis. And a shout out to my brother Pablo for the tunes. I'm Rosie Fernandez. Until next time, happy reading. <laughs>